Acts chapter 13, give you a second to find that there. Acts chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Normally, when everybody's here in the church, we stand for the reading of the Word of God out of respect for the Word of God. And uh, you know what? If you're at home and you want to stand for the reading of the Word of God, that'd be wonderful. But uh, that's normally what we do. So here we are in Acts chapter 13. I'm going to begin reading verse number 1. The Bible says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to the minister. So we're going to look at just a couple of verses here this morning in our text. So let's have a word of prayer and ask God to help us here, and we'll get right into the message. Father, uh, what strange times we live in right now. And uh, Lord, this too shall pass. And uh, we do pray, God, that during this time that you would do the work that you wish to do on your people. Lord, I know it's easy for us to uh, get into the into the rut of life and go through traditions and we can go through just the mechanics of religion and go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night and and take part in all of the activities and and uh, read our Bible in the morning and pray and all of these patterns. They can become such machinery. They can become such religion. We know that. And Father, would you at this time break us of that, that we could once again get in your presence. Father, that you'd once again be real in our life. Lord, that we'd be devoted to you more than devoted to our routine. So, Father, would you help us in that? And then in your word this morning, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate your word to us today, that you would teach us this morning uh, what you have for us. And, God, that we would be more conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ today, that we'd get out and accomplish what you'd have us to accomplish. Uh, Father, that your will would be done, that we would be busy about our Father's business. Would you help us in that? Pray for those that uh, are at home today, so many across the country. and. Uh, we just pray you would encourage them, that, Lord, you would speak at this time. And, and Father, we had asked you that uh, you would intervene and that we could be back together again quickly. And, Lord, would your will be done here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Acts chapter 13. If you remember last week, I gave you the outline for the next few weeks in Acts chapter 13. And last week, we looked at the ordination and uh, the ordination of, uh, of Paul and Barnabas. Then I told you the next three weeks, we're going to look at the opportunity. We are going to look at the opposition. And then we are going to look at the outcome of the ministry of Paul and Barnabas just right here as they got uh, set off in the work that they were at. And, and as we looked at that 
ordination service last week, we saw how the Holy Spirit of God called them to the ministry where they were sent to. And we noticed that the calling and the ordination of Paul and Barnabas was not where their involvement in their ministry began. No, they were busy before they were ever called into the ministry. And this is great news for all of us. Good thing to remember now how that, uh, that it's great news that we can all be busy and we should all be busy about spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether we have been called or not. Well, and I'm not talking about the call to be a pastor. I'm not talking about the call to go into full-time ministry. I'm not talking about the call of a missionary. I'm talking about every believer being active in telling the world about the eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about. Which leads to the topic this morning that we're going to be looking at, which is the second one that I gave you, which is opportunity. Opportunity. You know, there is an old saying that goes like this. Some of you know this. Opportunity knocks but once. Opportunity knocks but once. It was General uh, Douglas MacArthur who said that even when opportunity knocks, a man still has to get up off his seat and open the door. All right? You can, uh, somebody had said it this way before, that opportunity is like a sunrise. If you wait too long, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. You know, this applies to every facet of life, opportunity. It applies in business. It applies in personal relationships. It applies in raising children after the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And and when it comes to the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can wait too long for the opportunity that's in front of you, and you can watch that opportunity walk away. In the life of Every born-again child of God, opportunity will come to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to warn people of an eternal hell. And, And knowing that opportunities can be missed, what can we do to be ready with every opportunity that God puts in our path? Now, would you notice something here, first of all, in our text, Paul and Barnabas? They had already been active in ministry. I mentioned this. They were already singled out by the Holy Spirit of God. The church at Antioch had ordained them and sent them out. And the very next thing we read about are these two. It is found here in a single phrase in verse 4. Would you look at it, please? Look at verse 4. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia... And from thence, they sailed to Cyprus. Do you see this word here? A single word, departed. (laughs) They departed. They went to that port city of uh, of Seleucia there in Antioch. It was that port city in Antioch, which is Syria. They got onto a ship and they sailed over a, a few... Hundred, maybe a few hundred miles, I don't know the distance, between the, the shore of Syria and the eastern shore of the island of Cyprus. But they sailed from that port city. They went out to, to Cyprus. They, when they landed there at Cyprus, listen to me, they didn't pass go. They didn't collect $200. They went directly into the work that they were called to do. They didn't, they, they didn't, you know, hey, listen, sometimes I wonder, I wonder about some, some of these uh, deputation trails that take four and five years to get on the field. I wonder about that sometimes. 
I wonder about uh, people that take eight and ten years of schooling before they get into the ministry. I wonder about that sometimes. Really? Ten years? You say God's called you and it takes me ten years to get an education, to get out and tell somebody about Jesus Christ? No, I'm not against uh, education by any means. I think we ought to have it. But Jesus' entire ministry only lasted three and a half years. There is no way the disciples had all of the training that some men get today. It's not possible. But I will tell you what they did have that many do not have today, and that the disciples, what they did have was the filling of the Holy Spirit of God, and they had the authority of an authentic Baptist church. And if you go out without the filling of the Holy Spirit and the authority of your, of your sending church, I'm telling you, no amount of education is going to help you. You might, hey, you, you may gather larger crowds and you might garner a big, a big following to come in with you, but I'm telling you, they're going to be about a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. Once Paul and Barnabas were called, once they were set aside by the Holy Spirit of God, once the church at Antioch sent, sent them out and ordained them to go out with authority, you know what they did? They departed. They departed. It's not real deep, is it? It's not real tough. They just did what they were supposed to do. They departed. Notice what else they did, though. It's in verse 5. Look at verse 5. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God at the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Not only did they depart, that's kind of logical when you're sent out, but they preached. They just preached the word of God. They did what they were supposed to do. They left that port, and when the first thing they did when they landed at Salamis, which is a, one of the very eastern ports uh, of Cyprus, one of the first stop they did, the first stop they ever made, was they got off the ship, they found a synagogue, they went to the synagogues, and they started preaching Jesus Christ. They just went. They they, they just got right off the boat, and they found us. Well, of course they did. Watch this, because that's what they've been doing their entire ministry career before they were called out to the specific role and calling for their life. They were already doing this. This was an everyday pattern for them. You know, there is no such thing in, in God's economy as a child of God who never tells anybody about the Lord Jesus Christ until they are called to some specific geographical location that God wants them. You won't find that, that's, that's not found in God's economy. If you don't participate with the church in a soul winning program, if you don't actively seek out the lost to tell about Jesus Christ, if you don't give money to missions, listen, don't tell me God's called you to the ministry. He called, why? Because you will never find that example within the New Testament. No, the child of God is busy right where they are and what they're doing. And, and in every facet of their life and every day of their life, they're busy about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we see when Paul and Barnabas gets off the ship for the place, for the work they were called to, they departed, they got off the boat and they went right to the synagogue and they started preaching Jesus Christ. Let me, let me, let me say this. It was a lifestyle for them. It was a lifestyle. Could you imagine could you imagine knowing the cure for cancer but not telling anybody until uh, you got your medical degree and then you did your residency 
And then you found a hospital to stay in, and you finally got a job in the hospital you wanted to. And then, but hey, after about five million people died with cancer, you went ahead and said, "Well, now I got the cure. I've had it. I just wanted to wait till I was ready to tell everybody about the cure." Yeah. Do you know this is what many Christians do with the life-saving message of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Well, I, I've not been called. I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. I don't know where to go with it. (laughs) Yeah. Thankfully, this wasn't so with Paul and Barnabas. It's probably exactly the reason why God called them. Yeah. They got off the ship and they found a place to preach. But do you see where they preached? Do you see this? Look again here at verse number 5. When they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They preached in the synagogue. Do you know the history is recorded that the Jews have been living on the island of Cyprus as far back as the 2nd century B.C.? They've been there a long time. And since the temple was at Jerusalem, the Jews would build synagogues in all of the towns that they lived, that they could come and they could assemble, they could spend all their time, they'd come to the synagogue to read the Torah, they would come for prayers, they would come for teaching and discussion. On the Sabbath day, they would all assemble together within the synagogue and they would do prayers and Bible reading and of the Torah and study and things like that. It, this, this, this was not the temple, so the forum was more open and conducive really to anybody speaking if they want to. In a few chapters, we're going to notice this. Actually, it might be even in this chapter a little later on. At the end of one of the, the sessions, one of the men of the synagogue says, Does anybody else have something to say? And of course, the Apostle Paul stands up and he says, Men and brethren, and he begins to, to, to preach to them Jesus Christ. They weren't expecting that. But the forum was conducive. Don't miss this. The forum was conducive to Paul having an audience with the people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul and Barnabas would have known this. Some historians say that that Barnabas was actually grew up in Cyprus. He knew the island very well. But we know Paul the apostle spent many days in the synagogues. Trained under Gamaliel, was a Pharisee. He knew every, every, uh, every last working of that synagogue. It was, watch this, it was familiar to him. It was familiar to him. Yeah. So why exactly did Paul and Barnabas go to the temple, or to go to the synagogue? What is it at the synagogue that is lying before Barnabas and Paul. What's there? I find one word and one reason why they went to the synagogue. And it's found in the word opportunity. (laughs) Opportunity. Let me give you the definition of opportunity. Webster's 1828 says, Fit or convenient time. Let me read this to you. A time favorable for the purpose. Suitable time combined with other favorable circumstances. Now listen to this. Suitableness of time is a predominant signification, but it includes generally circumstances of place and other conveniences adapted to the end desire. Opportunity. 
It was the right time when Paul and Barnabas went into the synagogue while the Jews were assembled. It was the right time. It was, a con- it was convenient seeing that the Jews were already at a location for spiritual purposes. Their minds and their thoughts were already tuned in to, to the things of God and what they were looking at within the Old Testament Scripture. It was convenient d- due to the, to the Old Testament knowledge that these people had in the synagogue. They might have told you that we're looking for the Messiah. We're waiting for the Messiah. God has promised a Messiah. I understand at this point in Israel's history that it was pretty low uh, with, with theological understanding. And there's a lot they didn't know. But listen, they were still in a mindset to hear of the things of God. So everything going on at the synagogue, watch this, was already adapted to Paul and Barnabas's end desire. Which was preaching that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that they've been looking for. They had a mission, Paul and Barnabas. They had a goal. Time and circumstances here were suitable. Opportunity knocked, and Paul and Barnabas went through the door of opportunity, which they found in the synagogue. So you see what they did? They got called, they were sent out, they went out, they departed, and they preached. And they preached where they could find the best opportunity to preach. You know, opportunity abounds everywhere, doesn't it? In the world we're living in. It abounds everywhere. You, do, do, I, I want to try to take you back to John chapter 4, talking about opportunity. Jesus, to, 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 for the understatement of the, uh, of the century, Jesus was a master at taking the opportunities before Him and capitalizing on it. In John chapter 4, if you remember, Jesus was returning to Galilee. And uh, the, the phrase was made in, in verse 4, I must needs go through Samaria. And I know some people put some providential effect on that, on that verse. And, uh, but the reality of it is, if you're going to go to Galilee, you're going to go through Samaria. If you're going to take the shortest route there is to take. Yes, there's a longer route, and some Jews would take the longer route out and around to the east and back over into Galilee through the Golan Heights in that area that way. But that was a long way around, and some would take it because they refused to go through the area of the Samaritans. But if you're going to go the quickest way possible, and here Jesus is traveling by foot, you're going to go straight out at north out of Jerusalem, you're going to come through Samaria, and you're, and you're going to go on in, into Galilee. And so he had traveled from Jerusalem most of the day, and when he got to Samaria, his human body was thirsty and tired from traveling. So you know what he does? You remember this. He sits down on a well. He sits down at Jacob's well, to be exact. And while he's sitting there, a woman of Samaria comes out in about the middle of the day or so. And uh, she comes to get some water. And Jesus, just as normal and natural as ever, says, Could you get me some water? I think chauvinist. Why didn't he get, his, get your own water? Could you imagine that today? Get your No. This well was deep. You go look at the text, how deep this well was. Nobody carried the right amount of bags traveling, the water bags traveling to get down to a well that deep to get water. He didn't have the tools he needed to get the water. So she did. And she says, I, I need some water. And so she gives him water. But she says this. Remember what she says. She says, how is it that a Jew is asking a Samaritan for water? Bingo. <laughs> The door is now opened. This is now the door of opportunity was opened before Jesus. And of course, he knows what to say. 
And remember what he says to her. He says to her, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew, he said, lady, if you knew what the gift of God was, and if you knew who was asking you for water, you'd be asking for living water. And she goes, huh? <laughs> what are you talking about? No, did you see what Jesus did? He capitalized on the opportunity that was before him. Yes, he took the shortest route to Galilee, and he, that brought him through Samaria. And, and, and just needing a drink of water started the whole conversation to open up to this thing about living water. Why did, why did Jesus take this opportunity? Because the Samaritans needed the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. They needed to be saved also. God loved them too. And he took that opportunity before him, and Jesus used it for an end goal, which was the reconciling of a lost sinner back to God through faith and trust in his soon-to-be-finished work on Calvary. Opportunity. Opportunity. Jesus did it. Paul and Barnabas did it. Can I tell you this morning that Opportunity abounds for us as well? No, opportunity abounds for us as well. And I think that this has become uh, more uh, evident than it ever has in the generation that we're living in. It's really unparalleled, isn't it? Where we are even this very day. In an empty, in, in, in a empty building, pretty much. In front of a camera, audio recordings. Because of this virus going all over the world. Yeah. You know, pretty much this Lord's Day, the only way that you're going to hear the message of the, of the Word of God is video or audio, like we're doing right now. Kind of weird, isn't it? Got everybody scratching their head. It's got everybody going, wondering what's going on tomorrow. What's going to happen in a month? Will the economy come back? Who's going to die? Anybody? Who's going to get it? Who's going to do the uh, questions abound everywhere, don't they? And here we are on the Lord's Day, going away that we've never passed before. Oh, can I remind you, this is still the Lord's Day? (laughs) Yeah, it's still the Lord's Day. It may be a little bit different than you normally do, but I think it would be good for you to find a way to make the Lord's Day just as special as uh, every other Lord's Day you ever had. Hey, we've got six days a week. We've got six days a week to do by and large, we may say it one way or the other, to do what we want. Obviously, as a believer, we do the will of God six days a week. Seven days a week. But you know, this is uh, the Lord's Day, and I think it would be a good time to remember that. But we are living in a day of questions and fears. The world is living in in, in a day right now with the realization that there's things they can't control. We're all control freaks. Some are just at different levels than others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know I am. Yeah. But now looking out in front of us is, what, days upon days without control. 
The world is living in a place that they don't like, that they're uncomfortable with, and they don't know what to do. You know, I'd like to lay just kind of clear a spot and say this real quickly. But I know on the campaign trail, many comments were made about an economy that will uh, always win. And I'm thankful for what the president has stood for. I'm thankful for the, some of the stands and the, 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 the uh, political a- uh, avenues that he has taken. Uh, I don't know his motives and all of those. I'm not about to know his motives, but I'm thankful uh, for for some of the continued stands on abortion, for some of the continued stands on religious freedom, for some of the just the things that they have uh, he has wanted to uh, establish. Again, I don't know why and motives or all that, but I am thankful for what has been done. But I'll, I'll remind you: Do you remember the campaign trail? How often he would say, "We're going to win so much, you're going to get tired of winning." The economy is going to take out, you're just going to get so, we're going to get so tired of winning, so tired of winning, so tired of winning. And we have for three and a half years, we've done pretty good, haven't we? But you know what wasn't taken into account? Was that there's a God in heaven on the throne. And there are things that can come through a nation and come through a world that can wipe out everything that you've built in about one week. No, you're not in as control as you think you are. Not, neither of us, none of us in here are in control like we think we are. And the world is starting to realize this in the, in the last few months and weeks and uh, across the planet that, hey, I, I thought I had everything going pretty well and now I realize I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Out of control. The world is living in a place of fear. A steady diet of death and, and a virus that you know, you say that you don't know you have until you're sick. All right, can you? You can't visibly see a virus, can you? You can't see where it's at. And listen, we're living in a day of uh, with, with a death sentence, and really, uh, you know, according to what people hear on a steady diet of the news, and I don't know why they do that, but the, the steady diet of news that they get is that there's no prominent cure for this thing. We're hoping for a for a um, for a shot to take care of it and things like that. Any of it sounding familiar? Just a da- daily barrage of death and fear and no ability to control our circumstances. <laughs> the question of hope, the question of a returned economy, the question of, uh, of, uh, of how, how things are going to change in the country uh, permanently, uh, is the you know are the people going to sweep in and make these changes permanent that we are living through? No, a lot of fear going on right now, isn't it? Can I tell you there is there 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 isn't any difference between the physical problems in our world and the spiritual problems? So what do you mean by that? Well, when you think of coronavirus, you can't help but think about death. You can't help but think about what if I get it. What if I contract it? This is where people are at right now. Well, I live through it. Can I tell you something? When it comes to the, when it comes to the questions about life after death with, with, with the coronavirus, this is what it brings? Questions about life after death? 
I'm talking about opportunity this morning. I'm talking about where we're living right now. I'm talking about what is in faith in front of us in the society that we are called to minister to. When you think about the, this COVID-19, with it comes questions about life after death. With it comes fear. With it comes the realization that you can't control much of this life. And so what makes you can, think you can control anything after this life? No, with what's going on right now comes, comes the question of God. The question of God. Now listen, saints, we are living at a time of opportunity to warn the lost of death and hell and to preach to them the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is where we are today. We have an opportunity. Paul went where the discussion was already centered around spiritual things. Paul preached one thing, Jesus Christ, and Him crucified. Paul found a receptive audience because he was looking for a receptive audience. Let me say that again. Listen closely, would you please? Paul found a receptive audience because Paul was looking for a receptive audience. And Paul capitalized on the opportunity that was in front of him. Opportunity. Opportunity. And I dare say it's no different for us today. <laughs> we have an opportunity set before us, but not only an opportunity, we have a responsibility. A responsibility. You know what Paul's reason was for staying in Ephesus? He laid it out to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 when he said, A great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. What was he saying? There's an opportunity here. There's a lot of, a lot of adversaries. A lot of, we're going to look at opposition in this text next week. But what he noticed was the opportunity. I'm going to stay here for a little while, while the door is open. How did Paul know the door was open? Because he was looking for the open door. He was prepared for it. It was the per- Listen, this was the purpose of his entire life. It was the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Opportunity. So let me ask you this morning. You say you've been born again of the, chi- of the Spirit of God. You're a child of God. You're saved. You know you are. Are you taking the opportunity that's before you? No, no, God, God, God has given you an opportunity with the gospel right where you're at. There are people all over, there are people all around you. People all around you that have questions, that have fears, that have unknowns, that, that are struggling at this time. And we have a, an open door with the gospel. And we have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. No, that's the answer, isn't it? Isn't it amazing that the world won't take their chances with coronavirus? No, some people live in abject fear. They've held hold up in their house and they won't come out. They're, they're not going to take their chances with coronavirus. I'm not, I'm not minimizing what's going on. I'm just saying there's about a, what, I don't know, 98% recovery rate? Could you imagine if the doctor said you got cancer but you have 98% chance of recovering? Wouldn't think much about it, would you? But I'm just saying, people aren't going to take their chances with coronavirus. But they'll take their chances with God. 
They'll take chances with their eternal destiny. They'll take chances with the possibility of an eternal existence in hell. I want to remind those people that Jesus said, it's recorded in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body and hell. There's an opportunity before us, isn't there? The grocery store, if you're allowed to go. <laughs> Ten at a time. Think, think about a captive audience there. huh? Yeah. At the workplace, if you're still going to work. So, well, I'm working from home. Well, we've got email now. That's pretty handy. Right? Family members. No, you, don't, you don't think believers out there have family members that are without Christ, that have questions, that have fears, that are wondering what, what this means and where, where this goes to? Don't you, don't you think there are family members that some of you have that are now face to face with their mortality and realizing what does all of this mean? I've lost all control of my life and if I can't control this, what does it mean for me after I die? You don't think they're thinking about these things? You have the answer. No, wherever your day has led you. You know, I found it real handy some of the latest, uh, latest flights I've had to make of it's it's not as much of a captive audience as it was about three months ago when you had people all around you. Now uh, you know the last flight I was on. There's three of us. It's kind of I felt like a high roller. You know, I had my own private jet. It's pretty sweet. You know, it was uh, nice. But you know, there's not many people to talk to. But you know what? In all those magazines, I hope they get read. <laughs> now that nobody's flying, you can just slide a little tract in there, all over the place. I I, I had seats all around me. I could just kind of. Kind of change seats wherever I wanted to. Put a track in that seat. Put a track in that magazine. Put a track. No, no. God gives you opportunities in front of you everywhere, doesn't He? He absolutely does. We've got the mission set before us. Jesus gave to the church, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Right? We have the great commission before us. We have the answer. We have the remedy. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And every once in a while. An event of incredible magnitude hits our world and causes everyone to stop and to turn their attention away from their everyday life and to turn their attention to eternal things. We're living at that time right now. That's exciting. I don't know how long it'll last. It might be 9-11 and people will flood the churches for a week and go back to normal life. I don't know. But even if it's just for a few more months, the opportunities in front of us. You know what Paul would have done? He would have been all over it. You know what Jesus would have done? He would have been all over it. I, I don't think the opportunity has, has, has knocked this loudly in a generation or so, barring 9-11. What we need to do is get out and show a fearful and dying world the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. So Paul did. And I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. It's probably why the Holy Spirit of God decided to record this. You think? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning.
for the clarity of the job that's set before us. And Lord, as we look at where we are right now, it is comforting for us to know that before it was all created, O God, You knew. You knew this day would come. You knew what the world would be going through right now. And You also knew this would be a great door of opportunity for those that name the Lord Jesus Christ that have been given the responsibility and the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So, Father, would you strengthen us for this today? I know we have rules of staying at home. We have other things going on. But may we, like like Paul and Barnabas, may, may we just live in such a place that we are looking for open doors of opportunity that when they come, we would be ready for them. Would you help us to do that? We thank you for your love and your care. We thank you, Lord, for your protection and your watch, your care over us. And Lord, would you help us to put away the fear that might be in our own heart and life and trust you and just get out and do what we're told to do. I want to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go ahead and give just a moment, a normal time of invitation that we have, and we'll just do this now. While the piano plays, you are there you are at home, and however the Lord has spoken to you, you might just need to take a little time. Maybe you just need to ask the Lord this morning, God, would you give me a, open my eyes to see the, opportunity, the open doors in front of me and the opportunity in front of me with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you just need to ask the Lord to do that for you. Maybe your eyes have been so self-centered and turned inwardly that you haven't been watching for the opportunities in a long time. And maybe you need to just ask the Lord this morning to forgive you for that and turn your attention once again to the need that is all around us for Jesus Christ. However the Lord has spoken to you this morning, you respond to Him. got to join in this morning. Happy for you to be able to do that. And uh, the audio will be uh, taken care of here a little bit later and be put up. And so we just uh, thankful for the technology that we have today. What a great thing we've got. And so, well, Lord bless you. Have a great day and we will see you again soon.